Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Jesus gave his life for us and died for our sins, but well, we're going to cover a bit about why I think the resurrection is absolutely pivotal for our faith and for our journey as Christians. So um, what we're going to do, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a, a question on why. Why is the resurrection important? And then what does that mean? What does that mean for me and you? What does it mean in terms of our day-to-day life? So why? I'm going to get, probably get a bit preachy, by the way, so you're going to have to give me some hallelujahs, some preach it white boys and all that. Hope to go on, all right? Do you think you can manage? Uh, that, what, that, that doesn't inspire with much confidence. Are you up for that? Good. Everyone's like, yeah, Joss, we've been chilling out in the garden. We've had a lot to eat. Just you do your thing. I'm going to take five and nap. That's not going to happen because I'm going to get loud, so you've got no chance, I'm afraid. Um, okay, so... Why? Why was the resurrection important? The first thing, the first thing that's important about the resurrection is that it was the supernatural seal of approval on who Jesus was and is. You see, if you think about it, plenty of people before Jesus had died, obviously, plenty of people had died on a cross. In fact, if you think about it, a lot of Jews had died on a cross. Even Jews dying for the sake of their country, for freedom for the country and things like that, had been put to death by the Romans on a cross because they used a cross for sedition, for people when they're being traitors and and all that sort of stuff. So other people had died on a cross. Now, I'm not saying that they'd lived like Jesus had. They hadn't, but it wasn't massively uncommon. What was totally and utterly uncommon is what came next. You see, Jesus went around performing miracles, speaking about who he was. He started off quite low-key, just dropping hints there, and over here he'd say something, over there he'd say something else, and he gradually built and built to the point where people are like, I think, I think he's more than just a carpenter's son. I think there's something else going on here. You know, when he started feeding like 5,000 people, 4,000 people, walking on water, they started to think, do you know what, I I'm, I'm really am suspicious now. I, there's something about this guy. And gradually people started to say, I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the long-awaited king. And then from there, it built to people saying, do you know what, I think he might be more than that. There's something, there's something else about him. And Jesus started to allude to himself, starting to use phrases about himself and that claimed his divinity. He referred to himself as I am. Now, for a Jew, hearing that was like, what on earth? He has just claimed the very name that God gave himself, the one that we don't even dare speak. So when he died, if he'd stayed dead, we wouldn't be talking about him today. He'd just been another dead guy. Maybe did some good stuff. And I'll tell you what, the fact that he rose from the dead, that even isn't the most important thing. Other people rose from the dead. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Jesus went to 
a, a family's house and there was a young girl and he was like, oh no, you know, obviously she was dead. It's not like they didn't know what dead people were like, you know, no pulse, she's dead. He's like, nah, she's just sleeping. You see, to Jesus, it's the same thing. You're alive. It's not even just New Testament, Old Testament too. You've got Elijah, raised a boy from the dead. But Jesus, nobody raised Jesus from the dead. Nobody raised Jesus from the dead. He was not resurrected. Jesus is the resurrection. He said, I lay down my body and I take it back up again. Let me read it properly. Where is it? John 10, 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it back up. Come on, someone. Jesus is the resurrection. He wasn't resurrected. He is the resurrection. And that put a rubber stamp, bold, highlight, neon signs, the death and everything that preceded it was now approved. He is who he says he was. That makes the sacrifice valid. Because until then, if it had been an animal or a person and it just died, it wouldn't have mattered. But this was God. This is God sacrificing himself for us. And we know it's God because of the resurrection. The resurrection approves the sacrifice. The second thing, are you all with me? The second thing, and this is awesome, is it began a new era. The whole universe, everything about it, started again from that moment. When Jesus yelled, it is finished! That was the close of the first book. And a new book started. Not a new chapter. You see, we had in Genesis, we have 1.1, if you like, with Adam and Eve, and, and they're strolling around, and they're strolling with God, and everything's good until it's not. And then God walks us through this whole thing. You see, God's not stupid. He knows how we think. And you see, when Adam and Eve ate from the first tree, did you know that another tree appeared on the horizon straight away, and that tree was shaped like a cross? So one tree soon entered another tree. That was always the final solution. But God had to walk us through a thing so we could understand how to get there. Because if, if you're like me, you'll think, well, I know. Why don't we just start again? Why don't you just wipe the slate clean? And we'll go again. Get rid of all those people. Clearly there. You know, I'd have been fine. It's just Adam and Eve. Them to their nonsense. So he's like, yeah, okay, I'll prove that that's not the problem. So there we have the flood. Wipes it all. Just one family. Starts again. Call that 1.2 if you like. How long does that last? About five minutes before they're up to absolute nonsense. <laughs> not going to work is it can't just keep wiping the slate clean we'd have a flood every five minutes <laughs> somebody stubs their toe oh that's it it's another flood you know <laughs> and then he's like okay right so so the human reaction is okay right we can't just keep wiping the slate clean that's not going to work what we need is some really good rules if you give us some good guidelines then we'll know what to do we'll stick to the guidelines so God's like right yeah I know that's what you're going to think let me just show that doesn't work. So we have Israel's given all the commandments, how to live. If anyone could be made righteous by the law, the Bible said that they would be made righteous by that type of law. Even rescues them out of slavery through the wars, baptism, a little bit of a hint there, into a, a, a new life, a new, to become a new people. Gives them these guidelines for how to live <clears throat> in no time at all. They're melting all their earrings down, creating calves out of gold and having a good shindig. Hey, this is Jesus, this is God even. It's all gone wrong within five minutes complaining about the food that's being delivered you know I get upset when my Uber Eats is a bit late but you know when, when the food's being delivered to your door you just have to open your tent there's dinner 
And these boys have got a moan on. You think, oh, well, it's human nature though, isn't it? So he just goes to prove, right, that doesn't work. So we have the law. That's not going to work out either. 1.2. And then the, 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 the Israelites start sort of following God. They're not following God. And God's like, well, if you don't follow me, you're going to be, it's all going to go wrong. And it does. They get taken over by armies, taken off into captivity, into Babylon. And then they come back again. God's like, right, I'll give you another chance. They go back. They rebuild the walls. They rebuild the temple. It all goes wrong again. That's like, we're on, I don't know what we're on now. 1.4, 1.5. But when Jesus said it's finished, that was the end. That was the final solution. All sin is dealt with by a sacrifice like none other. God himself, so that we have a new world, a new era. Think about it. The whole of the Western world begins its calendar from the time of Christ. We're in 2023, right? 20, 2023 years from Jesus, the time of Jesus. Because in something fundamental happened in the fabric of the world, and I would say in the fabric of the universe. Up until then, Jesus had gone around saying, the kingdom's near, the kingdom's near. John the Baptist, when Jesus was about to turn up on the scene, saying, the kingdom's near, the kingdom's near. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, tell them that the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. So now we have a man seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Wow. So that's why the resurrection is important. Are you with me? It's important for those two things. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for little old me and little old you when it comes to our daily lives? I've got some thoughts. If you're interested. If you're not, <laughs> then, uh, you know, it's awkward, but you can't leave. Um, <clears throat> The first thing is that we are recreated. I'm going to draw some parallels here for you from uh, Genesis to what happens to us when we have our lives dead, buried, and resurrected into Christ. When we join Jesus, there's a parallels in this. So first of all, our lives are recreated. You may think when you start to follow Jesus that you're just 1.1 you, 1.2 you, that there's been a few alterations, but that is not true your old self is dead today we had baptisms in our morning service and the whole point of baptism is that people go into the waters and come out of the waters that they are buried with Christ and raised with Christ the old you stayed in there if you think about your passport your passport your UK passport and your passport from wherever you're from that says your your nationality your identity that person is now secondary to the person that raised up out the waters when you followed Jesus. You are a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has come, gone, the new is here. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That is awesome news. You are a new creation. Well, you know, it might feel like it all the time. I have days like that as well. But that's a fact. You see, this facts and this truth the truth is that you're a new creation when you follow Jesus facts may want to tell you that you're still the same person but the truth is far more important you have been made new when you follow Jesus your old life is dead and you have a new life in him second thing you're with me fingers on buzzers right so you can get the hand in the air first so thinking back Genesis God formed man second thing he did hands up second thing he did hands I didn't see a hand Pastor Kate 
breathed. Boom. So what does Jesus do? Let's have a read. John 20, 19. This is just after he's raised from the dead. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, not living fully by faith at this point, um, Jesus came and stood among them and said, boo! No, he didn't. Um, That's what I would do. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, you're a new creation. And like the first, God is breathing into you. But it's better than the first time round. Do you ever think about this? When Adam had the breath of God breathed in him. There's these sort of Hebrew words, if you read it in the Hebrew, and the, there's this idea of God's spirit, and it's, it, the word ruach gets used. And I always actually thought, I thought, oh, I think that's because it gets used as, sometimes as wind as well. And I thought that's what he breathed into Adam. He didn't. He didn't breathe that into Adam at all. He breathed into Adam the same words as you'd use for breath and to blow anywhere else in normal Hebrew, like in an any other person when they were breathing or not breathing or when the wind blew or didn't blow you see when Adam was created the spirit of God was in him he was made in his image and he walked with God in the cool of the day but when things went a bit squirrely God had to go looking for Adam friends I want to tell you that when you come to faith when you are risen in Christ you have a much much better deal when Jesus breathed on his disciples and how he's saying breathes on us today and fills us with the spirit of God we're not just filled with wind we're filled with the spirit that means that our breath becomes secondary to our spirit Jesus talked about how important the spirit was he said very truly I tell you it's for your good that I'm going away unless I go away the advocate that's the Holy Spirit will not come to you but if I go I will send him this power this enabling of the Holy Spirit means that so when Jesus said I will be with you always I think um, Claire said this earlier I will be with you always to the very ends of the age it's not just like someone you stick on Instagram or some tweet it wasn't just like Jesus trying to get a good sound bite in Oh, that sounds nice, I'll say that. You know, they'll be able to tweet that in a few thousand years' time. He meant it. Because when he's in us, when his spirit is in you, when it's in me, he will never leave you. He goes with you always in a way that he never did with Adam. He walked with Adam, but then he wasn't with Adam. Adam was on his own. The resurrected, risen life in Christ is 2.0. It's like never before that we have the spirit of God in us he's breathed his ruach his spirit into you and into me that same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you and in me is that not exciting do you not start to get a bit itchy fingers thinking what's that going to do you should do 
This power enables us to overcome sin and to live a life that's characterized by love, by joy, by patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. What's the other one I'm missing? Peace, thank you. That spirit enables us to live in a supernatural way, bearing fruit, the fruit of the spirit. So we're not like Adam. We're not like Adam. Because of Christ, because of Jesus, we have the spirit of God in us so that wherever we go, we're not having to wait where God says, where are you? And he's looking for us. Wherever you go, Jesus goes with you. Whether I'm here or here or I'm walking down there, wherever I am, Jesus is with me because he's in me and he's in you. And that is only because of the resurrection. You've been reanimated, breathed on, brought to life with the spirit of God, not the breath of God, with the spirit of God. Okay, cool. Next, third thing. So, in the beginning, God formed man. He breathed life into man. And then what? We need a little countdown, don't we? What happened next? Some murmurings. Nobody's brave enough to actually suggest anything. (laughs) And then when I say it, they'll be like, yeah, that's what I said, isn't it? That's what I said. He went to sleep. Well, yes, true, uh, if we're talking about Adam and Eve separately. But when Adam and Eve were together, what did he do with them? What was the next thing he did? They were living, alive, clothed them. No, that was after, after sin. Yep, and Eden, and said, what? There we go, yes. He commissioned them. Multiply, subdue, rule over the earth. He commissioned them, formed them, created them, breathed life into them, and commissioned them to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to build culture and to, to make something of the world. So what do we see Jesus do? The Great Commission. Everything's better in the second book, let me tell you. Everything. You know in the first time, you know normally when you go to the cinema and you see like, I don't know, the second film and you were always the same, always like, the first one was better. The first one was better, wasn't it? Yeah, the first one was better. Not in this case. The second book, let me tell you, this second is better. We have Christ living with us. And the Great Commission isn't that we're just going to tend to the earth, isn't that we're just going to create things on the earth, but and it, like for ourselves and, uh, and doing things together, his family and things which he saw being sort of handed on to Adam and Eve. The second, in the recommission, we become partners. We become co-laborers working alongside our risen saviour. He says, come with me, I've got a job for you to do. Is that not exciting? Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue and rule over it. And then Jesus then said, Jesus came to said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Multiply. Fill this world, fill this new kingdom, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very ends of the age. N.T. Wright put it like this, a new power is let loose in the world, the power to remake what is broken, to heal what was diseased, and to restore what is lost. We get to be a part of that, friends. Is that not awesome? Our job, our commissioning is to co-labor with Jesus to be a part of seeing the kingdom of heaven populated and filled and to change the world as we live in it. 
We don't die to live. We die so we can live and live. We die in Christ and we raise to live now and live everlastingly. I am risen. I am risen with Christ and I am recommissioned. You are commissioned with the great commission. With the spirit of God in you. As a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You know, I was thinking about today, I was actually prepared a completely different message until like maybe yesterday. <clears throat> and I thought, actually, no, that's, that's, that's not right. Because we talk about revival, there's certainly a bit of a hubbub at the moment. Have you noticed that people are talking about revival? Even that last song, or second to last song, whatever we were singing, talking about revival. And I think for us, often we think about this, this, um, this move of God, that God is going to do something, that he's just going to sort of, I don't know, Send this big flood is just going to sweep everybody off the streets and into the church. But revival isn't a fresh move of God, it's a fresh move of us. You are empowered with the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. And me and you, we are commissioned to make disciples. To tell people about Jesus. To tell people that there is hope that there is hope there is hope for a future now and an everlasting future that there's someone who cares when they're hurt when they're broken there's somebody to bind up the broken hide that there's someone who wants to tend to their wounds that there's someone who's come who is the victorious king and is going to wash their feet that he died because he loved them and he rose again taking back his life in power and victory and passed the baton to us and said come along come and work with me come and co-labor with me here's my spirit so you can walk and bear much fruit so you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover so you can lay hands on those who are afflicted with the demonic and see them released so you can pray over financial situations and see them broken. So you can come across people who've got fa like family curses seemingly that seem to bring misery and drudgery for generations and you can see them broken in an instant. That's the resurrected life. It's the resurrected life. I am risen, recreated, reanimated and recommissioned. <laughs> the band is Danny are you going to come up or is the band going to come up oh, great here's a word of warning <clears throat> here's a word of warning the world the devil will set guards on your tomb They didn't want a resurrected Jesus and they don't want a resurrected you do you hear me 
There's going to be people who say things over you. There's going to be family members. There's going to be friends who want to keep you guarded, keep you in a tomb, keep you from living a resurrected life. Don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate it. They're sly. The devil's a sly one. He schemes. He's an opportunist, but he's also a schemer. And he'll station, like they did with the centurions, he'll station guards to keep you in your tomb. Now don't let that bring fear, but let it bring awareness. Because when you die to Christ, there is no power of hell. There is no scheme of man that can stop you from raising to life glorious with him. Nothing. But we've got to be aware of the schemes of the enemy, haven't we? And those schemes will sometimes come back and say, and they'll whisper untruths, the devil's a liar. You see, you're a new creation, 100%. New creation. But sometimes they'll come and whisper, but you did this. Didn't you want to do that? Maybe they've got a name for you. Maybe someone in your family. I know who you once were. I don't care. I'm risen. That might have been who I was, but I'm risen. You might have had a problem with alcohol, but that doesn't matter because now I'm risen. You might have had a problem with gambling. I don't know, care. I'm risen. I might have had a problem with my sexuality. I don't care. I am risen. I might have had a problem with, with, I don't know, gossiping, eating too much, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I am risen. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead reigns in me and reigns in you. So when you hear the voices, we need to declare, I am risen. Let me hear you shout, I am risen. That wasn't good enough louder. I am risen. Come on. And we get to be co-laborers with him. For we're God's handiwork. And Jesus prepared good works for us in advance for us to do. We get to be about the kingdom's business. Maybe you're in this room and you've never actually made that choice. Maybe you're in the room and you're thinking, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually been recreated. I've been to church a lot. Or maybe it's your first time in church. You're like, I don't know if I've friends tonight tonight you can make that choice tonight can be the night where you become a new creation in Christ Jesus where you acknowledge Jesus and say I don't want anything to do with my old life I need that saving I know that I'm not perfect I know I need Jesus and his love to count for me his blood to wash me clean so that I can be born and raised into a new life in him Give an opportunity for that a bit later on. So if that's you, I want you to be thinking about that now as we sing the next song. Just think about, have I made that choice? Has that been clearly made? There's going to be loads of people in the room who are thinking, I don't know if I'm risen, the, living this resurrected life. It's all very well him shouting, I'm risen from the front. It's all very well and good on a Sunday evening where we've all had, you know, good old Easter time, a bit of holiday, some chocolate eggs. But on Monday... I'm not sure, I feel like I'm, I'm living a risen life. Join the club. I don't always feel like it. 
I don't always feel like it. But I have to sometimes tell my feelings the truth. And that is, I am risen. I am risen. Sometimes I have to fan into flame. I have to get somebody around me and say, you know, pray for me. Fan into flame the Spirit of God that's in me. The Spirit of God won't leave you. Never leaves you nor forsakes you. But sometimes you need to fan into flame. Perhaps you've been in church a long time and that flame's a little bit... It's more like a little bit of a flicker of a candle. Tonight, I don't want you to leave without being prayed for to see that fan into flame because we need a church on fire. Yeah. We need a church on fire to see this city and this nation turn back to God. Amen? Because yes. God has sent us. The Great Commission was the baton passed to the church. Jesus is sat in heaven. He sat at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding on our behalf. All, everything is at our disposal greater things you will do Jesus said he wasn't again it wasn't a soundbite he meant it greater things we will do over to you the church now it's nice to sit in a building like this and we love to get together but come Monday come Tuesday when we're in the workplace we need to be about the kingdom's business and so some of us need to get prayed to get that fire back to see our colleagues our neighbours one for Jesus to see this nation saved preach all night on this stuff so better shut up we're going to sing revival again I'd encourage you I love singing songs like this about revival why don't you stand to your feet shake off sake to your neighbour I'm glad he's shut up but when we sing songs about revival it's easy for us to think that we're asking God for something that he's going to do it all but God is partnering with us. So when he talks about us pouring out, when he talks about pouring out to do good things in the city and all that stuff, I want you to just imagine in your mind's eye, if you can, that God has us in mind when he's talking about pouring out. He has you and me as the answer. Filled with the Spirit, declaring the gospel, not that we're going out to just do it in our own strength. It's by his Spirit, but that we are part of that. So when we sing this, see yourself as part of that, that commission to see revival in our city and nation. Thanks, Pat.